In this very room There's quite enough love For all the world And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power To walk through our every fear For spirit One spirit Is in this very room In this very room And so I invite you to know with me, as we come together today in celebration of life, of the aliveness that each one of us has the opportunity to participate in. And that aliveness represents that divine flow of life, that divine longing to be expressed upon this planet. And what I know in this moment for myself, as well as for you, if you are open to this possibility and to this agreement, is that that life, that perfect life, is God's life, and that is the life that you and I are. There's nothing to create, nothing to enhance, but something to reveal. So we come together today in the conversation and the music and the fellowship and the vibration of the Most High to be reminded and to ground ourselves even, even deeper into bringing the spiritual aspect of our being into everything we do. I am so grateful to be with you today. I'm so grateful for the opening in my life and the time and the space, the love and the care that allows me to be with you in this capacity. It is an honor, a privilege, and a joy. And I honor the divinity within you this day. I give thanks for this opportunity. I give thanks for eyes to see, ears to hear, a nose to smell, a mouth to taste, and arms to hug one another. For this I give thanks, knowing that each person, as well as myself, continues to be resource supplied and informed of the right next awareness, situation, possibility, opportunity. For this I give thanks and invite you to say with me, and so it is. Awesome, awesome. Well, welcome. We have, over the last several weeks, uh, been sharing with you and doing a bit of a... Um, a um, discussion uh, and, and, and a discovery of some of the leaders within our community. And um, I've invited our, our board chair, current board chair, to, to be with us today and, and sort of launch into a little bit of our conversation about community and how it works because we are a, a community of, oh, here she is. And this is, and this is so here's Stacy Berger. Good morning, welcome. Good morning. So Stacy currently serves as our board chair. She's an amazing person, and I just wanted to introduce you to her. She will not be staying, standing in line with me on the way out. She has three little ones that her and her husband, Jeff, are going to... Uh, they've had enough at church this morning, and I totally understand at that age. But anyway, if you could share with us, how long have you been involved with the Center for Spiritual Living? Sure. I've been attending for about six years now, my husband, Jeff, and I, and now... We welcomed our three little ones, Anna, Aaron, and Adele, who also join us every Sunday here. Awesome. And so what, um, what skill set do you bring uniquely to our, our community and to our leadership? Yeah. 
I have, education-wise, a business management degree and a marketing diploma. I've spent 15 years in, in senior management and the last 10 have been in a company raising investment capital and bank financing and doing business acquisitions and, and mentoring entre entrepreneurs basically in every facet of business operations. So a, a pretty big business background. Yeah. I know, and you've been great with us. So what do you, can you describe the value for yourself and being part of the board in terms of the, what that looks like for you and th the things that you've uh, been able to offer? You've talked a little bit about that, but the things that you've received perhaps as well. Absolutely. I am extremely passionate about this teaching in this community, and it just, it just warms my heart to be able to bring my skill set in a, a service level and especially at the board level and with leadership and it's such a joy to attend what I would call a business meeting with the board but actually have a spiritual component so where we're meditating and speaking of gratitude and, and consciousness but also doing the business of the center and to bring those two passions together is just such a joy to be in that level of leadership. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So um, any surprises that we should know about you and Jeff or the kids or yeah, something, we live out by Onaway, if you're familiar, so we live on an acreage, we're about 50 minutes away from the center, so we drive in uh, every Sunday, and we have a beautiful acreage out there, and we live next to a skydiving place, so we often have parachuters that miss their mark and land in our, in our space, but it's, it's a beautiful spot that we have out there. Yeah. And anything else that you'd like to share? Yeah, I, I would just like to invite everybody. We are currently recruiting for two new board members, and you've had the opportunity to meet some of the leadership uh, over the last few weeks. And we are currently looking for somebody to serve as our treasurer, somebody with a strong financial background, perhaps a CMA, a CA, a CPA, or, and also a secretary, or as our secretary. So if you have a strong administration background, and if that's something that you'd be willing to do, and and to step up in leadership in those areas, we would, we would welcome uh, the opportunity to have the conversation. So, thank you. you oh, thank you, Stacy, and thanks for spending the time today to do this. It's just been an amazing gift to our community, and we're, we're very excited and, and, and honored and appreciative of you being with us in leadership. Thank you. Thank you, and I'm sneaking. Yeah, okay. When she said secretary, I pointed at Dolores, who was actually our secretary for like how many years? Twelve? And I said, hey, because she's had three or four months off now, so I think she's ready to get back into it. But she did a wonderful job for us, so thank you, Dolores, as well. We have a lot of really fun and exciting stuff going on, and there's a wonderful talent and resources in this community, and so, um, you know, just keep it in mind that uh, we can, and we so appreciate everyone's uh, participation. We have been, this today, is, as Barb mentioned, um, talking about the company you keep and how important that is. And, you know, we, family and friends, well, first of all, we're born into our families. We all had moms and dads, pretty sure of that. I'm going to put this down. I don't need two mics. And, um, but there's also the family that we grow around us as we, we grow and change and adapt and things change. And, you know, I have ten brothers and sisters, seven sisters. And they've been really good. It's like, having, it's like having eight moms when you grow up in a family of seven sisters. And as I, I've said in the past, that nothing goes unreported. So you really had to learn how to be stealthy and, and secretive around the ladies because uh, what you shared got shared, if you know what I mean. Anyway, but then we grow, you know, our, our, our universe of friendship and relationships grows. You know, this is my... This community is my spiritual family. 
is the way I look at it, in terms of there's an intimacy and there's an availability. And we, we talk about things here that, that, and, you know, I get to share a lot of times things that probably uh, are, uh, but they're, they're heartfelt for me. I'm going to do the same thing today. So friendships as we go along, families we're born into, but families grow and we create and we, 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 we are drawn to certain people, we're drawn to certain ideas, certain mentors. You know, as a young man, I was, was you know, I, tr- I chased the acting dream in Los Angeles, going to be an actor. And, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that today as part of the, my journey and my example. But what I did as a young man, then I would, I would find people I admired and I would read their biographies. And it was great because you go, wow, this and this. So they became part of my mentoring. They became part of my, you know, this extended friendship, even though I wasn't in, in relationship with them personally. But the information in their story was either an inspiration or a guidepost for me. And, you know, so, so many of us have done that. Now most of my reading is around philosophical ideas around great teachers, people that are a deeper understanding of the life of the Jesus of Nazareth or perhaps what the Buddha experienced. But, but that's an ongoing inquiry. And by that I mean they become part of my, my spiritual family, as you do. Our friends change as we change over time. And friendship is just like everything else in our lives. You know, we evolve, we change. You, all of us have had people that we're close to, and then things change. We, we, we go in a certain direction or whatever it may be, or geographically, it changes. But it's always important, I think, to revisit it, because who we hang out with is so important. If we hang out with people, if we spend time with that bring, people that bring out the best in us, we get a chance to bring out the best in them as well, that relationship. The true friends are the ones who have the courage to tell you when you're losing your way, but they'll do it with love. You know, they, there's, a, there's a trust and there's an integrity there. They're not criticizing. They're saying, hey, you know, you may want to look at this. This may be something you want to take. And those are, those are gems in our lives, especially when we have the respect and the trust with them. They care enough to have those difficult conversations. But the bottom line is if we want to have greatness in our lives, we have to surround ourselves with great people. I mean, like attracts like. It's just so simple. And if we have people that have, you know, I, I remember as a kid, we, I, I was hanging around with a couple of characters that always like to get in trouble and cause trouble, and then one time they did it, and I got blamed for all of it. And it was a great indicator for me. We were at the hockey rink, and the, and the guy that ran the hockey rink was in the men's room, and so the three of us were coming out, and we were, you know, we were just hooting and hollering and having a good time, so they shut the lights off on the guy. And I, I was the first one out, so I didn't know. So I'm standing there like the village idiot, and those two run off, and I don't know where they're going, but I'm not going to... And the guy comes out and grabs me by the back of the collar, takes me into the office for like an hour and a half, and t- threatening me with arrest. I'm 10 years old for turning the lights off on the guy in the restaurant, but I didn't know. And I thought, you know, I don't think I'm going to hang out with these guys anymore. They're causing too much trouble in my life. So on and on we have these experiences. So when I'd see them coming, I'd go the other way. Like, eh, you know what? They're just looking for somebody to get in trouble, because they love that. But, but if we want to be great, we have to surround ourselves with great people. If we, want to, if we strive to be happy, fulfilled, honest, confident, empowered, and principled, then we have to surround ourselves with people that have those qualities. It just works that way. So company we keep is a very, very important. And there's, of course, is a, a picture of a, the extended family. That first slide was some family reunion I found online. I thought it was perfect. There's about 300 people in that family. Carl Gustav Jung said, the meeting of two personalities is like the contact of two chemical substances. If there's a reaction, both are transformed. And that works positively and negatively. 
And so it's so important to, to be mindful and, and figure out, how does this feel for me? Is this something that I want to experience more of, or is this something maybe I want to re- re-examine and, and choose in a new way? And, and so that's all about that choice and discernment. You know, I just read an article the other day, uh, it's yesterday as a matter of fact, I was online, and they said that the difference between rich people and poor people is that rich people don't feel like they're stuck that they actually, they actually take responsibility, and they had a number around that, but they said poor people fit in this category, rich people fit, and the biggest difference between them is their attitude towards prosperity and, the, and their attitude towards how they can make a change in their lives. And I thought, wow, isn't that interesting? Isn't that what we teach in, in, our, in our movement? To take responsibility for our lives, not blame ourselves, but say, hey, I can change this. I don't have to. I'm having this experience, but it doesn't mean I'm stuck there. But they said the biggest factor between those two groups is that mindset, that attitude. I thought it was fascinating. So as we bring up the next slide, talking about our relationships, and this is kind of where I wanted to land today with you because I think it's so important. Our relationships um, fall into, into five categories here. Our relationships, number one, A, are intellectual. We, this intellectual relationship thing is, is how we get together and we study. So our t- teaching is one about the science of mind. We study how we think and we look at our attitudes, we look at our opinions and all this stuff. But it's, and, and so the science of mind, but it, it can become a near enemy for us. We can become trapped in the intellect. In other words, people think they, they understand it, so they got it down when in fact they haven't embodied it. You know, it's the idea that the, the gradual, it's like learning an, a, a, a musical instrument. When we first learn a musical instrument, we got to look at the note, we play real slow, and then over time, all of a sudden, that, that muscle memory and things that happen, but we take it from the intellect into the, to the muscle memory. And that's what great artists do. And that's why it's so amazing. You watch some of these musical performers, and they're just like, you know, they're not, they're not counting notes, and they're not even reading notes anymore. They know exactly what to do, because it's become part of them. And so the same thing is available for us uh, intellectually, spiritually. But many times we miss the mark with that. And there's nothing wrong with that because we need the intellect. The intellect is a, is a treasure. The other piece of it, the next one, B, is the emotions. You know, many people that, that lead their life with their emotions, they wear their, their heart on their sleeve. And emotions is such an important piece of how we feel and how we make choices. A very uh, important piece. But we can, and we find this sometimes when people get together in, in groups to do spiritual practice or to do discussion. Like sometimes in our small groups, there's emotional things that happen and come up and we can honor and support it. Um, you know, group therapy, working with a counselor and sharing our emotions. Very important. The other, another one is the will. We have our wills. We decide we're going to set a goal. We're gonna, we've got something we're going to pursue. And so, you know, right now we've got a steering committee working on uh, possibilities around how we improve our physical plant here. And right now, and so that's a lot of will, it's a lot of strategy, it's around let's find the right ideas, let's get, you know, get input from others, and we're close to doing that at the next round and things like that. But it's really around setting a goal and then holding fast to that commitment. So the will is very important. And then we get into the ego. The ego we all have, how we show up in the world, how we're impressing one another, how we're on and on and on. I mean, an example of that I'm going to talk about towards the end today is Robin Williams. Um, Robin was an amazingly creative individual, incredible. The stream of consciousness and that sort of faster and bigger and louder. And very much the epitome of the ultimate that we would look at, that I could look at and say, wow, what happened here? You know, famous, talented, creative, well-connected. Money, even though you know, he'd gone through several divorces, he was still wealthier than, than he was probably t- still in the 1%. So it 
So what happened? What was missing? And what was missing, in my opinion, because I've thought a lot about this, because I, I, Robin was part of my early training and conditioning around my experience in Los Angeles in pursuing an acting career. And I'll share with that uh, with you a little bit later. But the one piece that I think for all of us, why we get together, why spiritual practice is so important, why I think it's important to have people around us of like mind that can support us rather than say, you're crazy, stop that, is that it's the, the aspect of our relationship with soul. That when we come together and we share the music, we share our, our, and we celebrate and I share these ideas with you, when you walk in, my, my intention is that all of us step into this vortex of spirituality that lifts us all up, that we connect with it. Because our souls are very shy. Our souls are not out there in the world. Our souls, for the most part, don't lead the way. But with all the great mystics, all the great spiritual teachers, when you're around someone that is really in high relationship with their soul, there's a different experience you have. There's a peace, there's a clarity, there's a calm, there's a sense of all is well, despite what's going on. There's just a knowing, and Jesus said it. Jesus of Nazareth said, be in the world, but not of the world. So what he was saying is be present in the world, but don't be affected, don't be at the world's effect. Because that's just one level of, of reality. You know, he also said there's many mansions in my father's home. He was talking about consciousness. And so what happens for many of us, a person like Robin Williams, the ego. You know, you look at other people that, we've, that we have been reported through history that, that come from the intellectual level, highly intellectual, or highly emotional, or very good with their will. You know, I'm going to set this intention, I'm going to see it through. And what happens is if we live too much in one of those components without, without the rest of them, without the mosaic of being, when we live without calling our souls into experience, we're missing something. It's, it's missing the other half. There's part of us that we discount. And, we, and so what, what spiritual practice is, I believe, is welcoming our soul into the conversation. And it's, it's having enough quiet in our lives. Our souls are so shy. It's like, it's as if you and I went out, we said, we're going to go hunt this, this, uh, this endangered species that's very shy that we hardly ever see. And then we go down to wherever it is and the, the group of us go thrashing through the forest, yelling and hollering and playing music and screaming and breaking branches and climbing over stuff. It doesn't happen that way. Because that's how we do most of, the, of life. That's how Robin Williams did his comedy. He was that stream of consciousness that would go and go and go and go, go. And it worked for him really well. But what I know about that is when we reach that point in our lives where we reach despair, when we, we don't feel connected to anything or anyone, and once again that I'm not good enough, life's hard, I want this to end, on and on and on, which is a very popular idea. You know, Robin Williams, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, wonderful actor, a few months back, overdosed on drugs. Uh, a year or two before that, uh, Heath Ledger, handsome Australian actor, young, got everything to live for. What is it? Because life's, you know, it's wonderful to be rich and famous and well-connected and creative and free and opportunity. But then why is life so painful if that's the answer? And what I believe is missing in my heart is I, because I've prayed a lot on this, this week. I said, what is this all about? It's this idea that we need to bring our soul into our being. We need to be open and available to the spiritual nature. I wrote about it in the guides for today. I wrote about Perfection. And it's brilliant timing because I didn't plan this. In fact, at the first service, Barb said, Dr. Patrick's going to use the guides. It's not in your program. It's in the guide, this Science of Mind magazine. 
And if you don't have one, we still have some in the, in the, uh, the bookstore. But I'm really delighted to be able to share these. But today's um, daily guide, so there's 31 of them, is called Perfection. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a little bit from, from it today. And I thought it was perfect timing. So God was alive in my life when I was doing this and put it together. Somebody tore that page out of here. No, it is. It says, and, and it was inspired by Richard Rohr, a Franciscan priest, an amazing thinker, and he's done amazing work. He wrote a book called Falling Upward, which I've actually used for Book of the Month here. Richard Rohr says, we grow spiritually much more by doing it wrong than doing it right. We grow much more by doing it wrong than doing it right. So once we, we make peace with that and realize, well, I did it right, so I'm learning how to, I did it wrong, so I'm learning how to do it right, it makes perfect sense. And then I pulled out of the Science of Mind magazine, or Science of Mind book, no, Ernest Holmes write, wrote this, no mistake has been made, none are being made, and none can be made. Because all of us are acting out at the subjective level of our consciousness. Now, it doesn't mean we agree with everything. It doesn't mean we endorse everything. But everyone is having their own experience with their consciousness. And so it's not a mistake. It may be a, a smaller quality of life. But once again, to realize that our opportunity is to look at the experience and then choose new. And when we're connected, better connected with our souls, there's a clarity, there's a guidance, there's a knowing in it that's just beautiful and wonderful. But many times we're so trapped in the ego, which can say, you know, when we talk about the kingdoms of consciousness. So when we're in our kingdoms of consciousness, there's four. And I wrote about those, I think, the second week in, because I thought it was so important to establish that. In fact, Marcia Sutton called me and said, thank you for writing about the kingdoms. Kingdom one is victim consciousness. I actually wrote about it on August 2nd. Victim consciousness where everything feels like it's being done unto us. So when we're trapped in our, in our ego, when we're trapped in our will, so when, in our will in, in kingdom one, you've got to do everything on your own. You're all alone. There's no help. No one's going to assist you. I'm going to do it everything myself. And what that does is we limit opportunity. So I would say that when, you know, here's Robin Williams who knew Michael J. Fox, and Michael's been thriving with, with Parkinson's, and, and there's many people that have, have struggled with, with depression. But for whatever reason, Robin went into that kingdom one where he had to do it all himself. Is, is my, the way I would interpret it and filter through these kingdoms. Kingdom two, it's the me consciousness where the soul begins to awaken and we take responsibility for our lives so we can make choices. Because if you're in victim consciousness, I don't have any choices to make. Everything's being done unto me. And I gotta protect myself. But that's no way to live. We shut ourselves down creatively. And so then we've got to step into this kingdom, and, and kingdom two is, is courage. And then the next kingdom is co-creation, where all of a sudden you go, wow, this is so great. It's true, my life and God's life are one. And I'm setting intentions, and because I make myself available to that vibration, that vibrational feeling, that guidance and awareness, the frequency that, that I'm having in connection with spirit is amplified, and it's clearer. It's just a, and that's part of our spiritual practice. So when we're not connected with our soul, life can be miserable. Life can be just awful. And so as we go along and do our spiritual practice, I think spiritual practice is all about welcoming our soul in. And so when we do that, we don't go down to the forest and sit there and, and tramp through the woods trying to attract the mysterious, uh, almost extinct animal, but we sit quietly and we invite it and we welcome it. And that's so, that's so counterintuitive to the way most of us view the world. 
You know, you watch Robin Williams with the next joke and the next joke, and he's hilarious. Boom, 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 boom. He talked about that. He talked about being on the road doing comedy and how exhausting it was because he would be lifted up. You know, he'd just be into the dopamine of his experience. He'd be on that high with the audience. And then he said, and then you've got to try and come back down. It's exhausting. He talks about it extensively. I mean, he was an amazing teacher. And it's heartbreaking to watch him, you know, decide he's going to snuff out his own, his own light because he would have come up with very funny and insightful things around the situation he was going through had he stayed the course. But now we never know. We don't get to share that. And that's sad. Because I think everybody has gifts to share. And I, I, I just love that guy. I thought he was, he was just wonderful. And yet there was something, he, I, and I believe, that, that his soul was not connected. The next slide I have is uh, one of my favorite authors, Richard Bach. And Richard Bach wrote uh, Jonathan Livingston Seagull. He also wrote... Um, the um, Adventures of the Reluctant Messiah, the book Illusions. And in Illusions, this quote was written by him. He said, The bond that links your true family is not the one of blood, but of respect and joy. In each, in, in respect of joy in each other's life. Rarely do members of one family grow up under the same roof. And I think as we grow, as our souls grow and as we evolve, we find other family members. I feel I'm much closer to people in my life that I did not grow up with. And I love my family. It's just like, you know, it's, it's, it, we want to be our own great people. And if some of the friends we have in our life are, are not great people or they're negative, it doesn't mean that we don't interact with them. It just doesn't mean that we pull them into our inner circle and share from our hearts what's possible. Because there's not going to be any, they're, they're not going to be able to mirror back for us anything of value. They're just going to try and talk us out of it. So it's not that you have to get rid of them or they're no good or not valuable. It's just that I'm not ready for the conversation. I'm very selective with who I do my processing with. But I've learned that. I've learned it the hard way. The way I figured it out was by processing with the people I shouldn't have processed with. That's how it works. I mean, that's experience. You do it wrong so you can figure out how to do it right. Oh, I get it. I can't share with this person. Oh, all right. Done. I'll share with somebody else. And don't waste any time judging. Just say, oh, no, no, no. I go over here when I share. I go to this person. I, I, I share my heart over here. Because I know it's, it's heard in a way that, that nurtures me. And it's so, so important. But we find our families as we go along, which is critical. So I wanted to share with you uh, one of my favorite... Oh, I've got a... Um, the next slide is a slide of Socrates. And this is... So this was Socrates' uh, story of how he came up with this. Now, many think it's Byron Katie. Byron Katie's got this whole modality about the work. The first question is, is it true? And I know she was inspired by Socrates because a man went to, came to Socrates one day and Socrates, of course, was one of the great thinkers of all time. And he said, I want to tell you something about what you, one of your friends. And he said, well, before you start, let me ask you this. Let's do the filter test. The guy says, okay, what's that? He said, well, first of all, is it true? What you're going to tell me about my friend, is it true? And he said, well, I don't know. I heard it from somebody else. He said, oh, okay. Well, he said, uh, first of all, uh, so he said, so the answer would be no. He said, yeah, I heard it from someone, but I'm not sure it's true. He says, okay, well, but we still might be able to share this. He said, so let me ask you this. Is it good? And he said, no, it's not good. He says, okay, well, we, know it's, we don't know if it's true, and we know it's not good. But you still may be able to share it because I want to know, is it useful? So in what you're going to share is something that I can take and use, make a different choice, be a benefit to both of us. And he said, no. And he said, well, then I don't need to hear it. And I thought, isn't this interesting? Here's Socrates, thousands of years ago. He had the filter. Is it true? 
Is it good? Is it useful? For a lot of people, I shared that at the first service, some came, someone came to me afterwards and said, there's nothing I can talk about with you. <laughs> I said, okay. So friends, friends are so important to surround ourselves with a, you know, Wayne Lee, my buddy Wayne Lee always says our success team. You know, do we have our success team in our lives? And that's one of the reasons that we launched into small group here because we wanted to have, create more intimacy and more opportunities for authentic communication and to learn how to sit and witness without having to fix or change. There's a wonderful poem that uh, I just felt guided to share with you again today. I know many of you know it by um, Orion Mountain Dreamer. And I got to tell you this, I was looking at this poem again today. It's from The Invitation. I know many of you have read it. Probably many of you own it. Um, but I've always thought she plagiarized David White because David White is one of my favorite poets on the planet. He's just an amazing, amazing poet. And he has a poem called, It Doesn't Interest Me If or What. And, and so I found out that she was at a workshop with him and the assignment he gave all the students was to write a poem that begins with, It Doesn't Interest Me If. And I thought, oh my gosh. So they collaborated on this because there are two poems. He's got one just very similar. And Laura and I have always said, well, she, she stole that. And she didn't. David actually gave her the assignment. And it says, if it doesn't interest me what you do for a living, I want to know what you ache for and if you dare to dream of meeting your heart's longing. We're here to meet our heart's longing. We're here for the completion of our soul. And any of these distractions, when we get caught up in all the other, the, 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 when we stop in the intellect, when we stop in the ego, when we stop in the will, when we stop in the emotions, it's just, we're, we're, not, we're not inviting in all of the resources that allow us to have the full experience of life. Here's the, here's the uh, dragon boat people going on right now. I'm heading down there afterwards to cheer them on. A couple of our members are down there dragon boating. But all week long, we, they've been up and down the river. It doesn't interest me how old you are. I want to know if you'll risk looking like a fool for love, for your dream, for the adventure of being alive. I talked about it last week. I said, we're, we're a revolutionary spiritual movement of aliveness. And Ernest Holmes said, what's important is while you're alive, be alive. We're, to bring life to life in a way that's positive and affirming. Like Robin Williams did at times. He just, didn't, he, 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 he just lacked that connection at times. Next slide. It doesn't interest me what planets are squaring your moon. I want to know if you've touched the center of your own sorrow, if you've been opened by life's betrayals, or become shriveled and closed from fear or further pain. And this slide represents someone, this is a dedication to those little kids in Newtown about a year and a half ago that were killed. And so what this man did is he went and he raised the money and he raised the volunteers and he built playgrounds for every one of those little kids that was killed. So he took something tragic, he took something horrific, and he didn't shrivel up and say the world's a horrible place and everybody's uh, awful. And he said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dedicate something that's positive and represents these children in the, in the best way I possibly can. And so his efforts, and I wish I'd found his name, I've seen him interviewed, I couldn't track it down this morning, but there's, there's his playground. That's his dedication to not shriveling back in life. Because we all have disappointments, we all get our hearts broken. And we need friends and we need family and we need community around us to be able to sit with us at times and, and mourn and get through it and sit together and say, yeah, I know it's tough, I've been there. And you're going to get through this and I'm going to be here with you. And not have to fix it or say the right thing. The next slide. I want to know if you can sit with pain, mine or your own, without moving to hide it or fade it or fix it. 
but just be present with one another. Because when we're present with one another, we call forth in the silence, we call forth our souls. Dr. Holmes said, when deep calls unto deep, deep answers. We don't have to fix it all the time. Sometimes we have to have the full experience of the disappointment or the heartbreak and then we can start to move forward. And everybody's process of, of mourning and shedding is different. The next slide. There's a little girl dancing like crazy. I want to know if you can be with joy, mine or your own. If you can dance with wildness and let the ecstasy fill you to the tips of your fingers and toes without cautioning us to be careful, to be realistic, to remember the limitations of being human. Next slide. It doesn't interest me if you're, the story you're telling me is true. I want to know if you can disappoint another to be true to yourself. If you can bear the accusation of betrayal, betrayal and not betray your own soul. And she changed faithless. If you can be faith-filled, she's changed it. I just read an article uh, last night about that. She's changed it to faith-filled and therefore trustworthy. To be in connection with our soul. And to say no to things that we know are not in alignment with for ourselves. To be true to ourselves. That may, in fact, sometimes disappoint another person. I mean, that's serious, serious practice. The last slide today is a picture of Robin Williams. And when, when I first moved to Los Angeles, had very little. Moved there with my, my girlfriend. We got married um, not too long after that. And we lived in, we, well, we lived in the outskirts of Los Angeles, then we moved down to uh, uh, the, the heart of Los Angeles. And we were close to the comedy store. And so on Monday nights, you could go to the comedy store, and for a two-drink cover, you could go in, and they would have open comedy night. And Robin Williams would show up. And we were just, like, beside ourselves. Here's this guy who was famous, you know, he was doing Mark and Mindy, and he would show up for two or three hours with his buddies from Mark and Mindy, and they would do improv. And we would be rolling on the floor. It was so funny. This guy was just amazing. And how he could interact, and he was so quick with it. And we, I just thought, wow, so friends would come to town, and I'd say, you gotta, we got a surprise for you. Wait till you see this. And I wouldn't tell him when I'd take him up to the comedy store. And so for very little money, we'd sit there for three hours, and, and uh, we'd watch Robin. And more times than not, he wasn't there all the time. Sometimes I'd take friends, and I'd have to explain, well, he's usually here, but he's not here, so I don't know where he is. I'll call him tomorrow and tell him to get, <laughs> get his butt down here. But anyway, um, just an amazing guy to see up close. And, it's, and what I know is that for whatever reason, that piece of himself, that ability to be vulnerable and to be with another person, and I know there are a lot of conditions and I, 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 uh, around the depression and the diagnosis of Parkinson's, but it's so important for all of us to have meaningful relationships in our life, that people that we can pour our hearts out to and say, you know, this isn't working for me. Despite all of this, there's something missing. And, for, and that's why I think the spiritual component is so important. You know, I've had so many shifts and changes in my life, even going through this and watching some of the suffering and pain with the people I love. And to have this teaching and to realize this too is for good at some level, despite what it looks like. And so to shift my perception and to realize that, that spirit, that my soul is present in my life. And to have that has brought me back from the depths of that depression many times. One of my favorite uh, authors and teachers is um, Parker Palmer. And he's written many books, and he has suffered from uh, depression most of his life. And when I was thinking about Robin this week and sharing some of the insight that was coming up for me, I, I thought of Parker. And Parker said that 
this about the, the things I've mentioned today, about our soul, about the intellect, on and on. He said, when the soul speaks through the intellect, we learn to think with the mind descending into the heart. That's when the soul's present. And when it speaks through the emotions, our feelings are more likely to nurture relationships. So it's value added for both of us. When we speak through our will, our willpower can be harnessed for the common good. See, our willpower is so potent. But when, it, and when it's for the, the, the common good, it's so powerful. And when it speaks through the ego, we gain a sense of self that gives us courage to speak the truth in power. Every human faculty, as it becomes more soulful, can help us negotiate the complex terrain of life. And I think it's so true. And that's why the spirituality and allowing our soul to emerge and welcoming it and being in the conversation is so potent and wonderful and powerful. And so I share that with you because when these moments come along, it, it makes me stop and think. When I heard the news, I was like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, that can't be true. And it is true. And for me, I think it's, it's, we can get caught up in, in the effects of the world. We can get caught up in the busyness and the bigness and more and more and more when in fact, more and more and more means so very little when we, when, when we don't have that spiritual co- uh, component alive in our lives. When we're not connected to the source of our being. When we're not in co-creation with spirit. And there's something within us that knows that. So I thank you for being part of this conversation. I thank you for being part of this, this community of, of, of like-minded thinkers that believes in, and understands and supporting all of us in expressing our divinity in a greater and greater way. There's two things that human beings really dislike. One is staying the same, sameness, boring, and the other one is change. So I want you to contemplate that this week as you go out throughout your... Uh, See where you are in the continuum of complaining about the sameness and then not wanting to change and see what that does for you. But I thank you so much for being part of this, for your prayers, for your consciousness, and for your willingness to be in a deeper and more meaningful relationship with your soul. Bless you and thank you.